Hi, welcome to Coffee and Closers. I'm Nicolai Bedor, and I want to personally invite you to join me and one of today's top performing sales stars for a cup of coffee and authentic conversation. And our collective goal is that you will walk away with tangible knowledge that you can apply to your sales efforts today. Are you ready? We'll grab a cup, fill it up, and let's get into another episode of Coffee and Closers. Welcome to Coffee and Closers. Put your hands together for yourselves for being right here, right now. Who wants to learn how to sell better today? Who's just, who's just here to see Christian move? Well, thank you guys for coming. Um, before we get into everything, I want to kind of, I want to, I want to thank some people. Uh, I want you guys to turn around right now, and I want you to see that desk over there full of WeWork people. They are officially, uh, officially one of our newest sponsors. Thank you guys so much. Put your hands together for these guys. You watched us grow this year. You guys have been amazing, and now your, your financial support is going to help us grow it. So thank you. Um, if you guys are listening to this podcast at home, you've probably heard some sweet jams at the beginning. That is a uh, local musician, Alex Rossi. Uh, buy his music. Go support him. He's an amazing, amazing artist. And this is being recorded by our friends over at Jensen Studios. Thank you guys so much for uh, putting this out across the world. Um, we've had amazing, amazing views, amazing likes, and it's been uh, followed, and it's all thanks to your guys' quality. So thank you guys. Put your hands together for them. Did you guys smell that, smell that roast? It's not the guy next to you. Nope. <laughs> not Josh Feedy this time. That is, uh, <laughs> that's Driven Coffee. Thank you guys for supporting this and pouring the, the good stuff over and over and over. Thank you guys. Last but not least, my name is Mikolai Bedore. When I'm not here, I work, I run a, a revenue growth agency called the Bedore Business Group with an amazing, amazing team. What we do is we help uh, build and train high growth sales teams. So if that sounds interesting, come see me afterwards or uh, check us out at bedorebusinessgroup.com. With what we do, we get a chance to, uh, we, we get a chance to meet sales elite. And the guy that I'm about to introduce to you is absolutely no exception. So when he got into sales, his first go at sales, and 24 quarters after that, straight, he blew out his quota at some of the hardest sales environments, uh, Concur and Oracle. That's unheard of. Which is why Workday, when they were just getting their climb, when people are starting to think about taking HR to the cloud, they hired this guy. Why? Because he made it rain $17 million all over the place and took Workday to where they are. Which is why uh, he is at $4 million at his current gig right now. They snapped him out too. We're gonna learn a lot from this guy. Please put your hands together for Christian Mihalik. Thanks, brother. All right, so I was kind of winging that intro. Uh, what did I miss? Not much. <laughs> um, so basically, I started in sales back in 2007, and my intention really was never to go into sales. Um, I graduated with a marketing degree and uh, went back to, I don't think the mic's on. Can we get a mic uh, check on this one? This isn't being recorded, right? <laughs> I know it is. I see you, Jake. Went back for my MBA back in uh, 2006. And when I did that, um, I stumbled upon a sales leader from Oracle named Justin Van Cleek. Some of you may or may not know him. And uh, through conversations, he asked me if I would be interested in selling for him. And so he asked 
if I would come in for a ride along with his sales team. And so I did that in 2007, and the rest is history. I've been selling for the past 11 years. Um, I think what drew me to it was really the fact that it was so exciting on the sales floor. Yeah. There was so much enthusiasm. Um, you really had the opportunity to run your own business within a large corporation. Uh, to me, that was exciting. You know, coming from marketing, it was about helping customers and prospects get excited about whatever product or service that you had. Yeah. And so sales was just taking that one step further. So now that they're excited about it, you know, how do we get them to purchase that product or service? And so from there, um, you know, I spent about four and a half years at Oracle, um, had some success there, and decided to go into field sales at Concur. Uh, spent about two and a half years at Concur in field sales and you know, hit my numbers while I was there as well. Hits your number, push, push, <laughs> crushed your number. And then had the opportunity to go to Workday. Uh, Workday at that time was just getting started um, and they started up a Minneapolis office here and had the opportunity to join that office. Uh, I think there was roughly 10 of us in that office at that point. There's probably 100 today uh, just because of the explosive growth that Workday has had. Um, but it's been a ride. It's been fun. It's been exciting. It's always been changing. I would say you know, sales back in 2007 is completely diff different than sales is in 2018. Yeah. But it's been a fun journey. How so? Because I know what you're talking about, but actually, let's get a check. How many people's first time is it here today? How many people have been to this event? Good to see you back. New, who's, who's new? <laughs> there we go, that didn't work out. <laughs> did not work out in my favor. How many salespeople do we have here? That was supposed to be the question. Okay, how many non? All right, just so you know, well, kind of who we're gonna be speaking to, but I'd like to hear that answer, if, if that's okay, because I wanna hear how, what your take is on where it was and where it's at now. Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at the world today versus the world in 2017, a lot has changed. And so um, I think one of the biggest things that has changed is the access to information. So, you know, when I graduated high school, the internet had just come out. And, you know, if you wanted to get on, it took you about five minutes to dial up and actually get on the internet. And so today you can access something in a, probably five seconds. You know, you ask Siri, Hey Siri, tell me the answer to this question and you have access to that information. So it's not so much educating people about what your product or service is because they already know that. You know, one of the statistics that's pretty staggering for me is 50% of all product searches start in Amazon today. And so what that tells you is that people don't really care about the description, the manufacturer's description of that product or service, they care about the reviews of real people using the products. And so with that being said, the role of sales has completely changed. And so it's no longer me having to educate you on what we do as an organization or what our product and service can deliver because that information's already on the web. Yeah. It's reinforcing a lot of what they already know and then pointing them to customers, real life examples, 
of individuals or organizations that are leveraging that technology or that product or that service so that they can get candid, real feedback. Can you expand on that? Like, I mean, because you guys hear a process. Does anyone hear a process? And most of you guys know, people don't realize this about salespeople. They always think, oh, look at how they drink too much, or they, uh, kidding. <laughs> or they, they, you know, they're always confident. They're, most of that is a bunch of BS. A lot of us didn't start that way. It was just a process that we learned. Could you talk about that process? Because what you're talking about is, as soon as somebody expresses interest, that's when Christian starts uh, closing them down. Well, I mean, it really starts with uh, qualification, right? And so, you know, at Workday, we used to call it a point of view. So you come with a point of view. A point of view is you've done your research, you know who the organization or the individual that you're dealing with is all about. You know the industry, you know the strategic goals and initiatives of that organization, you know the role of the person that you're meeting with and how they're directly tied into those strategic goals and initiatives. And then from there, you're developing a point of view, which is ultimately saying, now that I know all of these things, how can I help solve problems for you? How can I help solve pain? How can I help open up opportunities for you based on whatever product or service that I have? The majority of that first conversation, I'm, I'm listening 85, 90% of the time with open-ended questions that I'm asking to try to gather information about, here's what I know. Am I on target with that? Or is there, is there something that I'm missing? You know, help me understand. I'm, I'm asking questions so that they can help me understand the current situation that they're in and the situation that their organization is in. Furthermore, I want to understand where they want to go as an organization moving forward. So it's not about just current state, it's about future state. And then, you know, how do you help fill in the gap? I love it, man. Well, I don't want to break from this because this is a good path, but um, failure. Right, People, I think we learn the most when we get knocked down and we get back up again. And mm -hmm. uh, I wrote a song about it. I'm kidding, that was not me. Um, but I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your failure. You know, a time that you, you, you faced a challenge, you bombed, because you've had a lot of success, right? But there's gotta be something that stuck out that probably motivated that success. Has anyone here, any of the rest of us ever failed? All right, Allison, being married to me is not a failure, no matter what they tell you. Um, yeah, so we can all relate with, with different failure. Everyone's learned from different things, and I'd love to hear a man who's had your success talk about a failure that, that taught you something. Yeah, if you're not good with failure, sales is probably not the path for you, um, because Amen. failure is one of the constants in sales, and so it's not really about the times that you're succeeding and everything's going well. It's really about what you do in those times of failure. You know, an ERP, the sales cycles can be 12 to 18 months. And so you're working these deals for a very long time. Uh, and the reality is you don't win them all. So you just spent the last year to year and a half with a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of resources. And then they tell you that they're either going to do nothing or they're going to go with one of your competitors. And that's, I've heard that answer multiple times after investing that amount of time with, with folks. And I think the lesson learned from that is, A, you're going to fail. So you shouldn't expect it, but you should know that it's going to come and it shouldn't be a surprise, right? It's one thing to expect it. It's another thing 
if it's a surprise. And so don't be surprised if you fail or you don't win a deal because it's going to happen. No one goes 100%. It just doesn't happen. And if they, if they say they're 100%, they're lying. Um, and so, you know, with that, lesson learned, you know, failure is a constant. Mm -hmm. And who you become as a salesperson and as an individual, your character and who you are, is determined on what you do during those times of failure, you know? It's, uh, you know, walking from failure to failure with the same enthusiasm that you had before. You know, that's what it's all about. And if you can't do that, you're going to have a difficult time being a salesperson. Um, and so pick yourself up, dust yourself off. Don't take it personally. You know, it's hard not to take it personally when you just spent 18 months of your life with a prospect. But take responsibility for the variables that you had control over. That you can do. You don't have to take it personally, though. You know, taking responsibility for the variables that are within your realm of control, absolutely. But don't take it personally. And then learn from that and move on. I love it. And I do want to dig into kind of those qualifications that you probably learned along the way to kind of sniff out who this, this is going to be a problem early. I want to get into that, but I kind of want to transition. So we've been talking a lot about your sales success. So 24 quarters in a row hitting quota at some of the toughest places ever. Then going to work day when no one wanted to take their financials and HR and whatnot to the cloud. You probably remember this, Victoria. No one wanted to do that. And you, $17 million later, you know. But all that time, he was a seven-time nationally ranked marathon runner. Did anyone know that? Like at Boston, New York, some of the biggest in, in the country, and your average mile was, was two, two hours, 36 minutes. Like, is anyone here, is any, any runners in the room? I should probably, <laughs> that's five and a half minute miles. Like I was an all-state runner when I was 17 years old. A little bit better shape than I am now. Five and a half minutes, I don't think I could walk up the stairs in five and a half minutes. Like, how did you do that for 26 <laughs> miles? And, and I guess what I'm getting at is the discipline that that takes to have, you're kind of running in parallels. You have your passion that you're kicking ass at, and then you have your career that you're kicking ass at. Can you kind of share with us, how did you accomplish that? What was your mental, what was your mindset like? Because you had to have some failure as you're training, right? You had to have some, I don't want to go running today. I don't want to do this. And I think that applies to, to sales, too, because they're both a grind. Definitely. Um, you're definitely not a math major because it's not five and a half minute miles. It's like 550 something per mile. But, uh, <laughs> but touche, I wasn't the count. But thanks for the credit. But no, I mean, running for me is therapeutic, it's spiritual. Um, you know, it, it's a way to unwind from the stresses of, of work. And so for me, I loved running because, you know, I got to sort my thoughts out. Um, you know, I, it was a stress reliever. And, you know, at the same time, I learned a lot of lessons from marathon running, too, because just like sales, it's not a 100-yard dash. It's a, it's a marathon. So the way that you chart out your course of how you're going to go out and how you're going to run is super important. You know, it's not... <laughs> something that you go and just sprint for 26 straight miles. It's, I'm going to try to stay steady along each and every mile 
and get through this race without hitting a wall at the very end. And I think, you know, my first marathon was grandma's up in Duluth. And I actually crashed and burned on mile 25 and uh, went down. The medics had to come over and they had to give me an IV. And then they said, do you want to get pulled out of the race? And I said, no, I want to finish. So 45 minutes later, when they said, you know, your vitals are okay to go ahead and finish, I got up, Al LeMay came alongside of me, and then we finished the race together. And so, you know, that was a great lesson for me because I didn't, I didn't really understand how to run a marathon my first time doing it. And after that first experience, I knew that I had to put more electrolytes in my body. I had to take care of my body more at the beginning of the race so that I could endure through the rest of the race. And so, you know, similar with sales, you fail that first time and you take it personally. And oftentimes, it's hard to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep pushing forward. But it's about what did you learn from that failure? What can you take from every single failure to make yourself a better, better person and a better salesperson? Right on. So with that kind of, you know, we talked about failure and we're going to transition, transition into some success stories. But before we get there, um, the one thing I learned from failure, especially in sales, is, is making note of what happened. I had a great, fantastic manager, Josh Kinzer, little plug, um, that taught me a lot of things. But one of them was, if you say something and the conversation stops, at that moment when it stops, write that down. What did you say? You know, into that conversation, what did you say up into that? So I had these weird little deals down, and it would be like, oh, oh, you know. But after a while, you, you understand, okay, you learn to ask for budget in a way that doesn't piss somebody off. You learn to ask for timeline. You, you learn to ask, where's their ranking in this decision making process, right? Um, would you share some of that stuff? You know, you, you said you get back up and you learn, but you also, you also take that, that battle scar and you learn, all right, I'm not going to throw that punch that way. <laughs> I'm going to do something different next time. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think all of those qualification questions are important, but I feel like you need to earn the right to ask those questions. I think oftentimes you go in and you kind of have this qualification checklist as a salesperson. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. I think it's important to know what you need to get to in terms of, you know, do you have budget? What's your timeline? Who are the decision makers? Yeah. Um, you know, that stuff's important, absolutely. But timing is everything, you know? And if they're not ready for those questions and you just throw them at them, all of a sudden this wall goes up and you're not gonna get anything out of them at that point. So earn, earn the right to ask those questions, build a relationship before you start probing. Yeah. Um, you know, again, they're already coming up with their defenses because you're in sales out of the gates. Amen. So why would you add any more to that to have their defenses go up even further? You know, it's already a wall to climb over. Mm -hmm. You know, don't make it a tower. <laughs> right on. Good one. Um, speaking of timing, we had this in our kind of prep call. So I don't know if anyone likes to swing trade, day trade, or I do. So I always kind of watch trends. Your trend following has been that of a legend. You've always been right there before the takeoff. So you were at Concur around the Sunshine Act, and the Sunshine Act is when everyone had to button down on travel and expense. You were there for that. 
actually were at Oracle prior with, with the healthcare kind of boom. Then you got into Workday right when people were about to take their HR to the cloud. Can you describe to us, because there's some salespeople in here, but there's also just opportunists, right? There's some founders in here that are probably thinking, how do I capitalize on the moments that I have, and how do I read the situation so that I can propel success as soon as possible? You know all about this, Josh. Do you have any, uh, any tips on how to, how, how you kept being there right before the blast? Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at the business world, trends are somewhat easy to spot. And the reason I say that is because the consumer world is so far ahead of the business world that all you really have to do is look at consumer organizations. So, I mean, Amazon, Google, uh, Facebook, all of these organizations are light years ahead of the business world. And so a lot of the trends, a lot of the problems, and a lot of the opportunities that they're going after, the, the business world's going to follow. Yeah. And so you know, as you look at what are some of those problems, you know, what are some of those opportunities, like, I look at my personal life and the tools and the technology and the resources that I have disposal to are so much better than when I go to work and the technology and the tools and resources that I utilize there, right? So why is that? Most of the tools and resources that I use in my personal life are free for the most part. They might, they might cost a few dollars you know, per month, something like that, like Netflix. Um, but these corporations are spending millions of dollars. And these tools or resources or technology, they're not, for the most part, empowering people's lives. They're not helping them do their jobs more effectively. And why is that? So as you start looking through that and diagnosing it, it's, there's huge opportunities out there for businesses to come in and do the same thing that organizations are doing in the consumer world. So who are those companies? I mean, WeWork is one of those that is doing some incredible things in the space. I mean, look to companies like that that are solving problems. Good stuff, good stuff. So let's get into your accolades and your success. I'd want to hear, I want to hear about, we all want to hear about opportunity, right? You took on a challenge and it worked. And you probably repeated that process over and over. Do you have a couple, maybe one, two, that just stood out as these are my crowning achievements. This is my crown jewel. I'm so proud of it. What would that, what would that look like for you? You know, I don't really have a crown jewel. I mean, every, every sale, every deal that you win, you know, you look at a little bit differently. I think what I'm most proud of is the relationships that I've built over my career. Um, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of customers from way back in the Oracle days, you know. Uh, I'm still friends with people that I sold to when I first started at Workday. Uh, you know, we go out and we grab happy hour, or we go to wild games, or we, you know, and it's not business related. It's, I genuinely want to hang out with these people because they're good people. And we developed a relationship that's meaningful more than I sold you something, you know, now, right. now we're connected through that. You know, I think if you take that approach, you might not win every single deal, um, but you feel a lot better about the approach and who you are. And I think for me personally, 
you know, who I am and who I was created to be is the most important thing. And so if I can stay true to that, I feel pretty good about every deal that I'm working. Amen. Do you see? <laughs> Sincerity, genuine. Hopefully we're dispelling the myth of any non-salespeople that we're all a bunch of dirtbags. Um, a lot of us truly care about the customer and want to see the customer succeed. Anybody else with us on that one? All right. So um, I want to. So you know this works. So we're going to open this up to you guys. We're going to pull the plug. We're going to open this up to you guys in a little bit. So you're going to be able to ask all the questions that you want. There is no dumb question. But I just have one and a half more. There's my math for you. I've never been an accountant in my life. Um, talk to us about inspirations. You're an inspirational guy. We have connected offline many, many times. Um, you were there the night I met my wife. You've been an inspiration for me. I'd love to share that part of you with these other folks. Where do you find your inspiration, um, books, uh, sources, tools? So let's kind of start personally and then maybe we'll yeah. end with professionally and then we'll open it up for a Q&A. Yeah? Absolutely, yeah. So personally, I mean, my faith is my inspiration. Um, you know, my personal relationship with God. And that drives me every single day. Um, so be who you are be who you were created to be, mm -hmm. and things are gonna work out the way that they should. From a professional standpoint, um, guys like Simon Sinek, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with oh, the name. Yes, I love him. But Start With Why, uh, there's another book that he has out, The Infinite Game, and I really love the concept of that because it's really about looking at organizations that approach things from a finite perspective, which is, you know, we have to win the battle. So they look at every quarter, for example, if you're a public organization, as a battle. We have to hit our quarter, quarterly results. And if we don't, we lost the battle. Well, the infinite game is looking at the bigger picture. It's looking at the life of the organization versus the quarterly results of the organization. And so how do we set ourselves up for long-term success? It's not about chasing revenue each and every quarter. It's about establishing a culture and empowering our people to reach the long-term goals and objectives of the organizations and surviving for as long as they possibly can um, the business that they're in. Awesome. I've never heard of that, have you guys? Yeah? I'm gonna definitely check that out. What else, what, and any other, you, you mentioned tools and stuff. We always wanna leave these guys with some tools, books. I'm gonna check that one out, what else? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I start interacting with organizations, one of the things that I do is I'll set up Google News Alerts for that company. You know, I want to understand exactly what they're experiencing as an organization because I think one of the things that's super important as a salesperson, you know, like I talked about, they already have access to a lot of information. So how can you add value as a salesperson? You can understand their business. You can understand where they are, where they're headed, who the individuals are, what their roles and responsibilities are, how they're tied into strategic goals and initiatives within the organization. And then from there, it's all about adding value. Now that I understand, how do I add value? And value typically comes in, in two forms. It's helping them solve a problem 
or helping them take advantage of an opportunity. I would say pain is much more effective in terms of selling to because opportunities are kind of like rainbows, unicorns, and treasure chests. You know, they're fun to talk about, but a lot of the times, you know, for us, our predecessors unfortunately did a lot of over-promising and under-delivering. So talking about the opportunities and what's available, it's fun to do, but it's really difficult to achieve. And so solving pain, that's, you can do that. That's easier to do. It's quantifiable. Exactly. And so, you know, even talking about ROI nowadays is kind of, un it's not effective anymore because it's, it's a, it, people look at it as a sales tactic. What's more important is not so much the return on investment, even though the CFO probably cares about that, but syncing them up with reference, references that say, yeah, they did exactly what they told us they were going to do. And here are the results that we're seeing from that. Here are the measurable metrics that we're able to bring to the table based on where we were and where we are now after we partnered with this organization. That's great. I could sit here and keep him from you guys all day long, but I won't. Um, so last but not least, is there any other uh, knowledge, just any inspiration, parting words you want to tell these guys before we pull the plug and our at-home listeners don't get to hear you anymore? Now I say we open it up for oh. Q&A. Open it up? Well, thank you so much, brother. Let's put our hands yeah. together for Christian. Thank you. All right, so what do we think? What'd you learn? Well, if you like that, check out coffeeposers.com for upcoming episodes, recordings, and more. And don't forget to check out our sponsors. Each one has been hand-selected. They're best in class. Until next time, we'll see you at the next Coffee and Closers. Cheers. Say live, come on live. Live a life we love. Gotta live, I said live. Live a life we love.